Let's do it. Welcome one, welcome all to episode 27 of the Xbox Expansion Pass, recorded on Sunday, April 12th, 2020. I am your host, Luke Lore, the Insipid Ghost, and on this episode of XEP, we'll discuss Xbox in Japan, recap the recent Inside Xbox presentation, and debate the impact of the PlayStation 5's DualSense controller. Enjoy. Yet another week of gaming is upon us and behind us. Welcome to XEP, discussing all things in the game reverse as they pertain to the Xbox ecosystem. And prior to discussing that Xbox game reverse this week, I want to issue a thank you to Andrea Renee of What's Good Games for donating her time to Talk Shop on last week's episode, offering insight into her world as a content creator, host, producer, and co-founder of What's Good Games. And I gotta say, I appreciate so many of you who reached out, offering congratulations offered thanks shared the episode and if you are just joining us and this is your first episode of xcp i welcome you and i hope you enjoy the discussions that we have here on this show from time to time i like to bring in guests from outside of my own purview to offer expanded insight into the game reverse and that is why the show is called the xbox expansion pass i love discussing xbox in the news as it pertains to that world but we like to expand our knowledge therein much of our news this past week came courtesy of Inside Xbox Work From Home Edition, in which several bulletin points were dropped there. The Inside Xbox team did a solid job of providing a show, all recorded from their own homes and compiled together and then released into a seemingly live state across uh, multiple streaming plat platforms, including Mixer, YouTube, and Twitch. Uh, I was impressed that they pulled it off but i still at the end of it was left questioning why they felt the need to have this inside xbox at the time they had it they certainly weren't under the gun to have certain information out uh, at a certain time given that our, our where so many of us are at home at least not according to the timetables that we are privy to and there's plenty to discuss in there but let's look at a few of the news and bulletin points that came from that inside xbox and decide whether or not it was worthwhile one of the first notable things is that Project xCloud is adding several new games, including Dragon Age Inquisition, Unravel 2, and The Sims 4. Now, I like the inclusion of these three games for two reasons. First, they are EA titles. EA has its own streaming service by way of EA Access, or own subscription service, I should say, by way of EA Access. But the fact that they are yet again including their titles into xCloud, um, I think it, it, it bodes well for the future of that service uh, in general. Also of note is that in choosing these three games, Dragon Age Inquisition, Unravel 2, and The Sims 4, there is something for each type of demographic, each type of game player. Uh, the Dragon Age Inquisition is the RPG that, that is uh, ripe with fantasy, and you can lose yourself to that for hours on end. The Sims 4, equally capable of, of taking away your time for many an hour, but in a very different way. Those appeal to two fundamentally different audiences on the regular. And Unravel 2 is a charming platformer that uh, might offer some co-op experiences or at the very least some shareable experiences uh, therein. I like that we're doing that. For Early on, we had a number of titles that were 
high-paced, high fast-fighting games or first-person shooters, and this seems to, again, uh, bring in more people to try out different types of games in the xCloud universe. And that's exactly what you want to happen in this preview state. You want different types of games being put to the test uh, across a number of different devices to see just how well they'll work when the service officially launches. I myself have not booted up xCloud much in recent weeks, given that I've been home and had X, uh, had access to my Xbox primary. And I'm curious if any of you are utilizing xCloud. It would seem to me to be a wonderful service if you're in a crowded household and you need to boot up that tablet or, or your phone and just link a controller and have a go pop your headphones on and escape from, from somewhere. But uh, I don't have that current predicament at the moment, where, so I'm, I'm far more on the box. And I'm curious if any of you guys are diving into xCloud uh, more and more. I found my usage went down once we began social distancing from one another. And I'm curious, again, uh, just how well and what the numbers are on that. In Phil Spencer's recent interviews with IGN, Unlocked, and the like, he discussed that all the numbers are up across their services. Xbox Live, Xbox Game Pass, purchasing of hardware consoles. Everything is up since we began this isolation uh, amidst the pandemic. And that's got to be both encouraging and he very appropriately was cautious to say that they're trying not to take advantage of that. Now, while I don't think it's taking advantage so much as uh, getting rid of surplus stock, we have seen Xbox One X's drop in price down to $299 bundled with a game. And that bodes well, I think, for the Xbox Series X coming in later this year. It looks to me like they're trying to move those Xbox One X's, get them out into the wild, get them off store shelves, and create retail space. Uh, the question is whether or not they'll need that retail space to distribute systems where we are at the time we launch uh, the, the state of the world. That will be an interesting story to follow if you can detach yourself from the emotional aspect and the ramifications on the real world and just focus on the hardware and the digital gaming front of that. We'll see. But back to this Inside Xbox, one of the most notable things that came out of this was that on April 13th, Xbox Game Pass is going to expand into Korea and Japan. And Spencer filmed his own video announcing that Game Pass would be entering into Japan, uh, where he spoke a bit of Japanese and discussed the importance of uh, entering into the Japanese and Asian markets and what it meant to, to Xbox. They recognized that they did not launch day and date with the Xbox One so many years ago and how that damaged their brand in Japan. Uh, and I, seem, I, I get the vibe and feeling that he also recognizes there are a number of challenges from being an American company trying to launch in a video game heavy space that is dominated by Japanese manufacturers, particularly Sony and Nintendo. So I, I feel like there's a sense of reality there, and they recognize that the hardware is not what's going to move units or move their service and their brand in that area of the world. And it seems to me that uh, Microsoft is taking a number of different approaches to re-enter that Asian market, be it Xbox Japan uh, or in Korea and, and the like. Uh, among those things, we've talked about Kart Rider uh, on this show. It's a Korean kart racing game that is very popular amidst the esports community over there. Uh, and also Crossfire X, which is very similar to uh, CSGO, the Counter-Strike community seeming to enjoy the game Crossfire X. And you have to wonder if, if Valorant is going to matter at all uh, in the distribution of Crossfire X. That's going to be a fascinating thing to bring that to this American audience and then wonder if it's going to uh, jump ship and bring in that Korean audience that was playing it on other platforms. What's it going to do there? I have a lot of questions uh, with that, to, to be clear. Also, fun fact about Crossfire X, I believe it's Ninja Theory 
that is working on the first-person campaign with that, that will be a fascinating story to follow. If I'm incorrect in that, please let me write into the show and let me know. My DMs are open on Twitter, at InsipidGhost, or you can email me, insipidghost at gmail.com. But I'm very anxious to see just how Microsoft goes about bringing the pillars of their services via xCloud, via hardware, and via the subscribed Xbox Game Pass to those Asian markets. I would imagine they would also rely heavily on the RPGs that are available in the 100 plus games uh, in uh, Xbox Game Pass at this point. Something something crazy. It's a, it's a big number. But a lot of RPGs are in there. Ori and the Will of the Wisps, though, might be a great marketing tool because it's so stylish and unique. And while not an RPG, there are, are some leveling mechanics. It's a very intense platformer in that Metroidvania-esque. Uh, also, the recent editions of Kingdom Hearts and Yakuza and Final Fantasy as well. These are all entry points uh, for many people within the Asian market to access a service that they might have been hesitant to do so prior because of the brand name Xbox. And Xbox seemingly understands the challenges and ramifications therein. So it's a story to watch to be sure. Again, they launched Game Pass on April 13th, and I'm very curious if they can move the needle at all on Game Pass numbers, on uh, Xbox One sold, on Project X Cloud subscriptions over there, um, I don't even know if Project X Cloud is there now. I'm gonna I'm gonna back off on that one just a bit. I have a lot of questions that I need to to have answered about those markets, and I would love to to investigate that a bit further. But it makes me excited to see because if there is one area of the world that Xbox is lacking, it is in those Asian markets. Uh, and, and entering in via India and Korea might be the right way to get to uh, Japan later on. Continuing in our Inside Xbox discussion, new titles were added to Xbox Game Pass's library both for console and PC, including Alvestia Chronicles and one that should not be missed, Journey to the Savage Planet. It was a game I reviewed on several episodes back. I really dig that game. That was one of the first games of 2020 to come out uh, that I went hands-on with, and I greatly enjoyed my time with Journey to the Savage Planet. There's a lot of good stuff in that. Uh, not to be missed. There's also the new DLC called Hot Garbage, uh, which is going to come in, and, and you can take advantage of that. I believe you get it on a discount if you're a Game Pass subscriber. Uh, but there's something to be looked at there. Journey to the Savage Planet, don't miss that. Overfo Overcooked 2 is much beloved in entering Game Pass, as is Football Manager 2020. I know many people enjoy uh, Football Manager, which is exciting. Mistover and Stranger Things 3, the game, are all entering Game Pass this month. And that's something to be uh, stoked for. Now, one of the more controversial, or rather varying levels of interest, I suppose is the right way to put it. There are varying levels of interest in the title Grounded. It seems to be the next first-party game released by Xbox Game Studios, specifically, I believe it's Obsidian that is developing it. Grounded is going to enter Xbox Game pa Preview, and Game Pass Ultimate members are going to have access to it, along with Steam Early Access, on July 28th. Now, here's there's a lot to be said about Grounded, and a lot of questions to be raised here. Grounded looks like Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. I think that's the the moniker and the metaphor that we all, or the analogy rather, that we all play when we see the, the name Grounded. And we have to wonder at what level quality is this game going to be? Is it going to be a bleeding edge, a crackdown three level quality, or something a bit higher up? Is it meant to be a, a double A game that we respect for what it is, similar to something like State of Decay? Or is it something like Sea of Thieves where it might launch in a certain state and then elevate itself into that triple A world? I have a lot of questions about Grounded, but the, the more I see about it, the more excited I am about it. And I was not excited at all, to, to say the least. I saw that and I was like, oh, I guess I'll try because it's in Game Pass. Maybe we'll see. Because at the time that there was a crowded window of game releases that has since been changed. 
so Grounded's first-person campaign, not first-person campaign, Grounded's single-player campaign has me rather excited there. The more I see about this game, the more I want to play it. A single-player campaign that I can have access to, a number of different crafting elements and building up bases. I dig those elements. That's some of my favorite parts of State of Decay. Maybe Grounded is for me, uh, and I'll have access to it via Game Pass, which I'm excited about. I also totally dig the fact that it's launching into Steam. Having Steam Early Access is yet again showing that Microsoft is not afraid to allow their Xbox Game Studio games to breathe a little bit in markets they deem appropriate. It doesn't sound like Xbox is going to be utilizing the Switch much more. It seemed more like that was a stopgap to let Nintendo players make themselves aware that Xbox was doing good things with games like Ori and Cuphead, but perhaps that uh, they should focus their attention more onto specific services provided by Xbox. Plenty to look at there, but I think the big news out of this inside Xbox, apart from Game Pass in Japan and Korea, was that Gears Tactics was put on display. Now, the Coalition has celebrated Gears Tactics going gold. I think many of us are excited for April 28th at this point to check out and try Gears Tactics. However, many Xbox fans are limited because Gears Tactics is only launching on PC at that date. They did confirm, however, that it would be coming to console later in the year, which to many of us screams that Gears Tactics will be a launch title for the Xbox Series X, or at the very least, a launch window for Series X. We are also informed that it's going to be available on Xbox One, so you have something similar perhaps to Halo Infinite, and this is the right way to do it, I think. If they are going to bring Gears Tactics to console, waiting until the Series X launch seems to me to be a smart move, because what do we hear so often from naysayers of the Xbox brand, or those who may be detached and only see from a distance? Without having played Gears 5, you you think, oh, this is just more Gears. Uh, When you do play Gears 5, you still might get that feeling and vibe therein. And so you want something different. And if you're going to launch with a Halo game that needs to blow the socks off people, but you've got a Gears game that is fundamentally different and yet still captures the spirit of Gears of War, that might be the right way to do it and say, hey, Game Pass gives you X, Y, Z of things you know, and we're going to be bringing you things you don't. So Gears Tactics going gold. Big congratulations to Splash Damage and the Coalition. I'm super excited for what that game brings. I'm very nervous that my PC will not run it because there is a huge amount of customization and boss battles in this game that is ripe with Gears of War lore. You're going to be fighting monsters from the Locust uh, all the way through like to their Brewmax, and then you've got Ukom, which is from the, the Rise of Rom comics. For those of you who are dorks like me and your last name's Lore and then you love the lore, uh, you'll go in and you'll enjoy the, the, the nods here and there. You play as Kate Diaz's father. Uh, plenty of stuff to be really intrigued with by Gears Tactics, but what about strict gameplay? It looks to me like a lot of a lot of similar gameplay to something like XCOM, but they have captured the Gears essence. And in showcasing this game in, inside Xbox, we see that all the classic Gears of War uh, assassinations are in there. All the classic gore and blood and guts is there. But there's way more customization in this game. You can customize down to the barrel of your gun, to the sprays of your armor, to the types of armor you're wearing, and they can all add different cosmetic or real-time buffs to your characters and adjust things. The game looks very meaty and very deep. And what is so encouraging about this is that it is a game that is within the strategy realm but is not Halo Wars Gone Gears. So it's different and yet still under that same Xbox Game Studio banner. Now I for one am very curious to see it. I also hope that this game pushes xCloud on PC. 
My PC can't run major games, but if I could take advantage of Xbox uh, Project X Cloud and play a number of those X Cloud games on my PC with a wired controller or wireless controller or whatever, then I would be stoked. That would be a game changer for me. That would change a lot about what I've been playing. I recently wanted to play uh, the last Batman Arkham game that I haven't gotten a chance to finish. I started it on my Vita, and then I started it on Xbox 360, but it's not available back and pat. And that's uh, Arkham Blackgate uh, or- Arkham Origins Blackgate. So it's like the spin-off version of Arkham Origins, and it's it was it was a arcade title. It was a Vita title, and so it's not going to be. Uh, god-tier level stuff. Well, I, I found it on Steam. Actually, I was pointed to it by Christian Spicer of DLC Podcast. You should check that out. Uh, but Christian said, why not get it on PC? And it was 5 bucks on PC, so I had to download Steam and have a go at it. But if I had a chance to play that game, buy that game, or use that game with achievements and it wasn't breaking the bank, I would absolutely do that. Um, just because I love Arkham and I love Batman. Uh, I'm just going to keep derailing. I really am sad uh, for a number of reasons on the gaming front. Taking away the human element of our current pandemic situation, I recognize that. But on the gaming front, I am very sad that in all likelihood, we're not going to hear much about the Batman franchise for a little bit longer for a number of reasons, and I recognize that that's frustrating. Um, But I'm so excited for the next Batman game, wherever, whatever it is, whether it's WB Montreal, Rocksteady, uh, and I just want more of it. I love that, and I think Arkham Knight and the Arkham games are some of the best you can get from Game Pass, and and they're always on sale, well worth your time. Uh, But, man, so it goes. I I digress here. Let's see, what else was included in this Inside Xbox that you wonderful and faithful listeners might need to know? Uh, Truly, it wasn't that much more. There is a Sea of Thieves update on the way yet again. However, after this work-from-home situation began, it looks like a lot of live updates are going to be reduced in frequency. This is the last major one for a little bit for Rare. Uh, This update has a revamped arena. It offers the Ships of Fortune uh, elements where you can sign on with a certain faction and, and grow your game. And then they've added new pets. Cool cats and kittens are now in that game, and that's kind of fun uh, to see. They've been doing a great job with Sea of Thieves. If you are uh, a lapsed Sea of Thieves player and you have time on your hands, boot it up. Check it out. There's a lot of fun to be had still in that game. There is a AAA experience uh, waiting for you. There are layers of difficulty. Certain aspects of the map are, are super intense and super uh, easy and I, I like to just jump in with one buddy because we like a small ship because we're terrible and then just swim around and and float around and, and battle skeletons and uh, we have a good old time just playing Sea of Thieves, yarging and, and role playing. We we LARP a lot of times and just have a good old time there. So I would say check out Sea of Thieves, particularly if you're on 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 hiatus from work and you've got kids in the house. That's a good that's a good game to play uh, for sure. So take that for what you will. Uh, Now, interestingly enough, we had a couple other games make headlines for various reasons. Call of Duty Warzone is one that I want to call specific attention to. They just announced that they hit 50 million players for their Warzone modes. And that's a mode that's free to play, and it's one that I greatly enjoy. I have faded off of it a bit, and I don't enjoy the hyper-competitive nature of strict Battle Royale, but I really enjoy the Plunder mode. That, to me, feels like Battle Royale for dads, or Battle Royale for people who are getting old and don't want to be that intense. So I'm digging plunder mode there, but for 50 million players to sign on, play the free-to-play Call of Duty mode seems to me to be damning to a couple things. First, I doubt Blackout mode really makes an appearance much longer in its current form, or Blackout goes free-to-play down the line. Uh, Moreover, uh, it speaks some numbers because Fortnite is likely in high demand at the moment, but as we know it with the internet world, attention 
can often bring a soured fan base over time as you change and you modify in an effort to keep things fresh. And Call of Duty will experience this like any other. Uh, Valorant is certainly shining lights on what CSGO has not been doing to keep itself ripe and fresh uh, over the years. So I like that Call of Duty Warzone is now pushing the Battle Royale genre forward and making people take notice that you can have a successful financial game that is free to play without gouging your customers. Now make no mistake, Activision are no heroes and they certainly don't do it right every single time and there are plenty of times that I shake my head in disgust. Later on this month, I will be reviewing Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2's campaign. I have a code secured for that uh, and I'm looking forward to trying out that campaign. But it seems odd, though the deal might have been a while ago, to have a timed exclusivity for that. So again, Activision, not perfect, certainly not um, my favorite of the publishers. Uh, and they make a lot of strange choices within the ecosystems there. You got to applaud them. 50 million players into their Warzone mode, releasing Modern Warfare 2's campaign at a time when people need to play things. Uh, I, I like that. I just hope the third-party exclusivities start to fade away. And that is not a specific to Activision problem. That is as much on Xbox not willing to pay for exclusives while Sony is uh, aspect. And I, I, I do dig that. I like that Xbox isn't getting gouged for third-party exclusives because I don't think they would by themselves move the needle. I don't know that there's a financial benefit to that, uh, but so it goes there. PlayStation 5 is getting a new controller, the DualSense. As many of us wanted to call the PlayStation 5's controller the DualShock 5, that indeed is not the case, as PlayStation and Sony revealed the new controller to be the PlayStation DualSense. Now, what's interesting, a little bit of a shady stuff here, it was kind of fun in, in, in a good way, was that they dropped the news about their new controller one hour prior to that work from home inside xbox which i thought was a, a sweet golden ticket in the absence of sports right now i like seeing sony and microsoft go toe to toe but the controller looks redesigned physically it looks to be uh, a bit more of an updated configuration it seems to break away from the traditional dual shock mode and seemingly takes inspiration from some of the best that the xbox 360 and then subsequent xbox one controllers have to offer it's multicolored, as many of the xbox design labs uh, controllers have been and many people are celebrating and lamenting this controller alike. It has a few features that are worth noting, including haptic feedback. Uh, it has a create button instead of the share button. All the more interesting given that Xbox has evolved their current Xbox One controller to include a share button in the Series X controller, whereas now the next PlayStation controller does away with the share button and offers a create button. Whatever that truly means remains to be seen, but there is a microphone built into that particular controller, suggesting the PlayStation Assist type tool, similar to what your phones might activate if you were to t speak to it in a certain tone uh, for Google or Amazon's Echo or what have you. Uh, and I think these are good things. I like the design of the PlayStation 5 controller. I think the DualSense looks good. It incorporates some good things. It borrows from the best parts of the Xbox controller. Uh, it seems to take note and lessons from its DualShock 4, which is, I think, a great controller as well. Acknowledging that battery is a problem. Uh, they seem to have reduced the light bar implications, which you have to wonder, what does that do for PlayStation VR? And then, more relevantly to this show... If PlayStation VR is changing for the PlayStation side, what does that mean for Xbox VR? And frankly, I don't think it means anything. The only thing I can see VR happening in the Xbox world is if they open their platform up for Oculus or, or, or HTC to enter into that realm and put their products uh, working on the Series X. And hey, I'm all for that. 
I don't want to be hardware gated by a weak PC. I would love to play some VR, but I am not going out spending money on a new rig, spending money on a headset, spending money on new controllers when I know that I'm getting a Series X and, and Game Pass games coming in through there. So, you know, got a, got a lot of wonderings there, and I'm frankly, we don't know how good that controller is. We don't even know how good the Xbox Series X controller is till we go hands-on. I know using the Elite V2 of late because my... Oh, my Gears of War 4, sorry, Gears of War 5 controller looks to be laid out to pasture, and I just don't have the money right now to spend on a new one. I've been using my Elite V2 more often, and then just kind of my, I have three controllers that I rotate through, but the Gears one's going to go out to pasture, so we might just be using two from now on. Uh, so it goes, you know, what are you going to do? Such is life. I have more gaming time now than I ever did, and so uh, that's the reason I'm burning through these controllers. You know, uh, real quick, I mentioned, this is a fun anecdote, I mentioned that I, uh, Amazon Echo and, and Google Assistant and all that stuff, uh, I was playing through Terminator Resistance, which is a uh, first-person shooter in the Terminator franchise that launched this year, late, late last year, I guess. Uh, it's really good and really bad in a, in a lot of ways and you know me I like to try out all different types of games and I'm not scared off by a double a game so I'm playing it and I'm pretty darn impressed for a Terminator game it's probably the best Terminator game to be ever made thus far and uh, it's a higher quality it punches above its weight so I'm enjoying it right I get to a cutscene. they're talking about Skynet and all that jazz and then and I kid you not dear listeners I have my phone on my chest and it's just sitting there the cutscene activates my Google Assistant and then it starts talking to me and says, here are the results for Wikipedia on Amazon Echo. Now, if you tell me that a Skynet cutscene activates my Google Assistant and then looks up Amazon's device, I'm telling you there's some shady mess about, and I think I'm being hunted. I don't know why anyone would want to hunt me. I mean, I'm just I'm just a dude, and I'm not, not all that special. I'm, high, I'm scared of my own internet history, but I'm not cool enough for Skynet to target, so we'll see. We'll see. I just thought that was a fun anecdote. Oh, interestingly, uh, a couple rumors surfaced this past week, and I have a, a mixed relationship with rumors on this show. Do I share with you rumors? Do they get? Do they lend credence? I mean, is it just like the random YouTuber needs to make a video, so they said something, and they, they extracted a quote from 2018, and they made a rumor? Uh, in both cases, these were not sources that I would, would bat an eye against and, and wonder against. Wario64, I think, is well-known in the social media circles. Uh, Wario64 suggested and, and tweeted that a Resident Evil 4 remake is in full development. Now, coming off the backs of Resident Evil 2 and 3, I love this idea. Resident Evil 4 is the best Resident Evil game ever made without including the remake uh, stature on the last two games. Uh, Resident Evil 4 is incredible. It blends survival horror well along with some action and just the right balance. A little bit too much exploring for me in that castle level, but... If Capcom truly is going about and remaking Resident Evil 4, I'm ecstatic for this news. And the fact that it's Wario64 suggesting uh, that it's true means that there is some element of this that is likely true. I see a lot of fans wondering if Code Veronica was going to get a, uh, a worthy inclusion in this. I see also people loving and hating Resident Evil 3. And I went into a pretty thorough review of that game last week. And so I hope that if you haven't had a chance to check out that episode, you will do me that courtesy and, and hear my thoughts on it. Also, uh, just in general, it means the world when you guys listen to the show. But uh, I'm curious to see if that comes to light. Uh, second piece of interesting news came by way of Shinobi, who uh, is well-known in the Reset Era forums, but also on our social media spaces, and he suggested that this coming week, by the time this show is out, you'll be hearing more news about Xbox remakes and new Xbox, first for, uh, Xbox Game Studios games. 
Whether or not that is true raises my eyebrows because why not just hold inside Xbox a week if you've got news from Xbox Game Studios? Uh, whether they're, they're reboots that people are going to be ecstatic about, open worlds, and just new IP being shared. Why do that in something other than an inside Xbox when you want that to be your showcase for, for all your Xbox news, particularly in this new digital-only format that Microsoft has committed to through 2021? Uh, it, makes me, it makes me question that one a bit more. But would I say no to some more Xbox news? Heck no. This is our sports now. I need things to talk about, need things to... To chat about and so uh, we'll see if either of those two things come to pass uh, all eyes on you of course can will be able to hear my thoughts on it next week's episode and of course you can reach out to me on twitter uh, as so many of you did and i think that's a great time to transition into listener topics and questions fast and furious we are in these topics several of you writing in this week tweeting at me at insipid ghost on twitter some dms some via the tweets let's take a look at a few of these first comes from brendan myers who recently celebrated a birthday happy birthday to you my friend i hope that you had a a wonderful celebration with your family and it was filled with at least a little bit of game time for you buddy his question could you see microsoft launching a tablet that could also act as a remote play that connects directly to your xbox uh, no, Brennan, I don't see this happening. Microsoft does have this the, uh, a tablet line, and man, would I love a Surface. Oh, goodness, would I love a Surface to try that out. But I think their better their better use is to get their, their infrastructure of, of xCloud and remote play working on any device and not focus specifically on their own. Their big thing of late in these past few, past two years perhaps, is to avoid hardware gating. They want more people to access their games from more places. And so I think it would make more sense to continue with xCloud's uh, expansion into multiple countries, lots more devices. They've got to work out that iOS because at the moment only iOS, the only game iOS users can play is Master Chief Collection. And while that is certainly now a high-class AAA product, uh, far fixed from its launch, uh, and you should absolutely play Halo Reach, everybody. Uh, it's There's no reason to release a specific tablet for that purpose. I would not buy that tablet, and I'm very much into the gaming-verse. I do need a new tablet, though, so, you know, maybe... No, no, I would not buy a specific one for that. Uh, it would need to be more multi-purpose than that, and I feel like that's Microsoft's angle there. Garrett Bland writes in, he says, Do you think the way that Microsoft is handling game sales, especially first-party titles coming to Game Pass, makes them slightly immune to the halting of physical game production and sales compared to Sony? That's a great question, Garrett Bland. I think in many ways they are insulated from the problem of physical hardware or physical game manufacturing stopping because of their Game Pass and digital service. They are notorious for having a faster and stronger network than PlayStation, which is – I many people say that. I subscribe to that idea. However, I think it's been very clear over this past month or so that we've seen Xbox Live be a bit vulnerable to some outages. So they really do need to clean up and work on those Azure servers. But to the specific aspect of your question, it does not make them immune to to hardware sales compared to Sony, but it does insulate them a bit more. Their digital ecosystem is far stronger, not simply based uh, on services alone, but just their simple network infrastructure. And so... They are insulated from the problem. They are likely to weather the storm a bit easier. But Sony, for their own part, seems to have set up measures to avoid looking uh, extra bad or frustrating amidst production problems. Their simple delay of 
of Iron Man VR and The Last of Us 2 suggests that they didn't want that to be a narrative. They didn't want that to be a discussion point. And so I think Sony has adapted well in that, and they need they need themselves to continue with their own digital services. And we should also note that in addition to having to halt production on their own physical games, they've bolstered their digital efforts by bringing uh, Spider-Man into PlayStation Now along with Just Cause and I believe a golfing game. They've boosted PlayStation Now's reach, and they need to continue getting that service up to par. It is inferior to Game Pass in a lot of ways. It's not as far back as some people might have you believe, but their marketing is terribly far behind, and that needs to be the big trick. Uh, my good friend, Mr. Badbit, our, our friend and yours, Joseph Moran, host of the Trophy Room podcast, uh, often says that Microsoft and Xbox, they're having fun with their marketing. And that really helps set a, a, a tone and narrative that Sony is not getting. Sony looks to me to be running through all the hurdles of, okay, is this okay? And then to the next boss, is this okay? They seem to be far too limited by the old Japanese methods of distribution. And I am very curious to see if that plays a part in this upcoming narrative in the next gen. And to be very clear, Sony is such a strong name brand. I don't see them giving way to that uh, first place moniker. I do see them losing a, a, a great deal of ground if Microsoft continues at the trajectory they are on. They've got to they've got to push and take out a big chunk of Europe, and they need to win North America. Uh, and who knows, their Asian inlets that we talked about previously in the show that might make a difference there as well. Famous Seamus writes in. Famous Seamus, always a pleasure to see you on my timeline, man. It, it means the world to see your name there. I hope you're doing well as also. Uh, you ask, do you wish that Xbox Game Pass would, mes would message players that a game they played for X amount of hours was leaving the service? I can't help but think that there are better ways to, to alert players when games are leaving than using the phone app. Now, that is a great question. Uh, at, at the moment, for anyone that doesn't know, Xbox will let you know by way of their message uh, on their app or if you are logged into your system that certain games will be leaving in you know X number of days. Like Prey is a game that I have not played just yet, but I want to. It's in Game Pass, but it's leaving Game Pass, uh, I think, at the end of the month. So they've alerted me to that because I've downloaded it, and if I want to play it, i got to play it before X date. But Famous Seamus goes further than that. He wants them to do more, suggesting that if I have played Prey for an hour, maybe I didn't take it off my hard drive, maybe I haven't played much of it, they go in and they say, hey, if you want to finish Prey or put any more time into it, it's leaving the service at this date. You need to go in and check it out before that time. Uh, I think that's a great idea, Famous Seamus. We've seen a lot of quality of life improvements in the UX and the user experience for a number of Xbox platforms on phone, on the, t the tablets, on, on your phones, the apps, on the actual hard drives and systems. It's hard drives. On the systems themselves. I think that's a great idea, man. I would love to see them do that. And truth be told, I would venture to guess if you submitted that as an idea or if any Xbox person's listening to this show, uh, they're probably writing that one down as a, hey, that's not a bad thought. They seem to be receptive to those types of suggestions. So that's a good idea, man. I'm, I'm all on board with that one. Our last question of this episode, in which I'm having a great old time hanging out with you guys, Blaze Knight writes in, he says, With PlayStation 5 and Switch having haptic feedback and HD rumble respectively, to enhance player immersion, do you think Xbox players will be missing out on a significant portion of next-gen immersion without these features, or will the difference be negligible? Oh, that's an interesting question, Blaze. I don't think uh, any Xbox player is going to feel like they're missing out at all when it comes to some of those 
features, at least not at this point in time. We've seen Microsoft have a number of tension and haptic feedback elements in their controllers, particularly with Forza. If you were ABSing or uh, what is it, when, when, like when your brakes skid and whatnot, you can feel that in your controllers in Forza Horizon. Uh, and you can feel the different elements of rumble. But uh, if there's one thing that's clear, it's that the Joy-Cons over on the Switch are impressive pieces of tech that break easily and most people don't take advantage of. And there are a number of things in the PlayStation 4 controller, including the microphone and the touchpad and the light bar, that aren't made use of by the mass majority of their players. It was cool. One of my favorite memories of... Uh, the PlayStation 4 launch window was playing Infamous Second Son and hearing that controller talk to me uh, via a phone call or radio. And I think I, I think uh, Spider-Man did something very similar to that. And I thought that was super cool. But did it really immerse me in the game? No. Do I pick up my Xbox controller and feel anything but immersed? Uh, no, I don't. I don't think it really matters. In fact, I would argue, in, on the Switch's case, I feel removed from it because I feel like I'm holding plastic toys that are very expensive, and that HD rumble is a wasted feature. I mean, it ice cubes and games. I get where they're going with it. I like the idea, but I don't know that it's going to break immersion. In fact, I have um, ventured the thought process that in having a more mm, what's the right word here complex controller. It seems to me the PlayStation 5's DualSense is more complex than the Series X controller, which seems to just refine some ergonomics and adjust some things for for user comfort and then add a share button. It seems that in PlayStation's evolution versus... Sorry, their uh, revolution versus Xbox's evolution that you're getting an expense difference. A lot has been made about how expensive these new systems are going to be, and all signs point to the Series X uh, console itself being more expensive and the PlayStation 5 being a bit cheaper. However, if the controllers uh, do the inverse of that, you might be looking at an out-the-box similar price point for both. So there's a lot to unpack in that idea. But specific to your question of immersion, no, I don't think I'm going to be losing anything by playing on a Series X. I will tell you for sure, uh, I plan on getting a PlayStation 5, and I am going to test out a number of those games. Spider-Man 2, you best believe it. You bring me a new Infamous, you best believe it. I'm on board. Uh, and goodness gracious, I am absolutely going to get a Series X. All in good time, though. We meet, we have to we got to budget accordingly. And what a strange year to have to budget, because I don't have to pay for travel. Not like I'm using gas, but, I mean, like, you know, entertainment's entertainment. And goodness gracious, I have spent some dollars in that spring sale. Man, I've been playing a number of different games. Similar to last week, though, I'm really enjoying uh, The Crew 2. I didn't think I'd enjoy a game, but, I mean, the idea that I can just press the accelerator and steer in any number of vehicles. Crew 2 has been having a good time. Dragon's Dogma is fun. I recently took advantage of Back Compat and had a good old time with Back Compat. Uh, beat the game Syndicate, which is a first-person shooter that you don't really need to play, but it's a fun kind of $7 use of your time, uh, for lack of a better term. I-, I had fun with it, but I immediately uninstalled it. It was neat just to, to play that blast from the past. Let's put it that way. Uh, and then I played the, the Terminator Resistance game, which, again, you can wait for a sale on that, but I had fun with it, so it goes. And speaking of Bat Compat, I'm going a mile a minute, and I'm having a blast. hope you are. Uh, speaking of back and pat, I put out a survey on Twitter. I left it up for 24 hours and we had about 1500 responses. And the question was, do you use backward compatibility on Xbox one? And of this recognizing I have a biased audience cause I host an Xbox show, but 1500 people responded 1500, uh, on average, I rounded up just a smidgen and wrote in and they 85.8% of the respondents said, yes, they do use backwards compatibility on xbox one 
1500 said yes they do use back compat on xbox one and that is that is encouraging to me because there's so many games we might have missed or that we can go back to and enjoy and games that need not be forgotten to the lands of time uh, I, I like that, man. I'd love to hear it. And if you're playing Back Compat, I know a lot of you wrote, wrote at me on Twitter. Let me know what you're playing right now in Back Compat, if anything. What are you looking forward to? I'm hoping there's a couple more games that come to Back Compat once Series X launches. I know that team is is working on other things, but I would love to see it. Uh, there's, there's plenty to be looking at there. Well, ladies and gents, I have so thoroughly enjoyed my time with you this week. It has been uh, a fast and furious show where I just got to rant and have a good old time chatting Xbox with you. I've been a guest on a number of different shows this past week. Mr. Boom XL, I'm set to to be on the Weapon Wheel as well with Broken Gamer, and yeah, I've had a blast chatting with you guys. And if you are new to the show and you've stuck around this long, please, please uh, feel free to take a look at some of the other episodes in the Pantheon. We're 27 episodes in, interviewed some wonderful guests like Steven Spawn or... Uh, Andrew Renee, Rebecca Valentine, we've had a number of ID at Xbox people on, Motion Twin most recently was the ID Xbox developer, they did, they made Dead Cells, it's a good time man, I hope you guys enjoy the show, and if you do, feel free to rate it, that, that always helps, but guys, I love you very much, I hope you're doing well, keeping your head above water, next week I should have some video game book news, I've been reading some Gears and Halo novels, so we'll, we'll see about that, that's it for me, have a wonderful rest of your week, take care everybody. Thank <laughs> you.